Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, it is day two of the NCAA tournament, and we got a whole lot of storylines and a whole lot of characters to talk about whether it's Mr. March, whether it's Penny Hardaway, whether it's Rick Pitino. We got a whole bunch of guys that decided to be stars today. And myself and Kyle Mann and producer Kyle are going to break down everything that happened on day two and beyond. If you just listened to the emergency podcast, that was the Purdue-centric version of this. You know, we just talked strictly Purdue, the 116, the history, all that. If you want to hear, you know, Purdue thoughts, go listen to that show. But for everything else that happened today, Tune in right now. This is day two rapid reactions. I'm Tate Frazier. We got a whole lot of stuff to hit. Kyle, anything else we need to get before we get into the show? Happy holidays. But first, Woody Durham. All right, welcome in. Day two, March Madness. We are here live in Los Angeles. Myself, Tate Frazier. We got producer Kyle on the boards. We got Kyle Mann sitting across from me. Been a long but fun, good day of basketball. Some more, you know, palatable basketball, some more common sense games. But then, of course, we had the 116. So if you're just tuning in, we did an emergency podcast talking specifically about Purdue. You can go listen to that. Check that out. We're not going to get into that too much, but I just wanted to point out to you, Kyle, man, that uh, FDU, who beat Purdue, obviously number one seed, they didn't even win their conference tournament. I forgot to point that out in our emergency podcast. Mary Mack um, was not able to play because they just became D1 a few years ago. There's a rule about that. I hate that rule. I, I hate, hate that, that rule, rule too. I but, hate it. but what's the line if Purdue plays Mary Mack? Because I think Mary Mack might be favored at this point. So Is Mary Mack the best team of all time? You know, I just, <laughs> that mystery is going to hang over college basketball right. for years, I feel like. What could have happened? Right. You know? They could have won by 20, you know, yeah. just like 2018. And maybe that would have been the script. But wanted to do some cleanup duty there. But then let's get into the actual other games of the day because there was a lot of games, a lot of good games. And I wanted to start with Mr. March is what we call him on this program. His name is Tom Izzo. He wins a lot of games in March. You know this 
January, February, Izzo. That's what they like to say in Sparty Nation. And today, first game of the day, we got USC, Andy Infield, a guy who kind of slyly has a good record in March. We remember, mm-hmm. you know, the FGCU run and all that sort of stuff. We remember Evan Mobley a couple years ago. But today it starts out with Tom Izzo, Joey Hauser, Tyson Walker had a great game, locked up Boogie Ellis. And Mr. March gets a win and moves on to the second round. That was a fun way to start the day. It made sense to me after yesterday's chaos. T to the Izzo does it again. And he <laughs> he just, you know, I this was one that I, I picked and I was feeling pretty confident about. Although, like, perennially, I feel like USC just... They, they somehow uh, win games in March. Well, yeah. I mean, having Evan, Evan Mobley kind of helps. He's a guy <laughs> that is is difficult to deal with on a single-game basis if you've never seen him before, as as we know and as we'll continue to see in the future. But Michigan State, just they 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 have guys that, that, that came to play today, and they're moving on. And I'm, I'm excited about their next round. I know we'll kind of zone in, zero in, hone in on some of our uh, – our, our favorite second round matchups because we that's I mean we wrapped it up today Tate we did we did yeoman's work it's a lot of hard work sitting around and watching basketball all day you know like, yeah and your brain kind of fogs up because you talk about all these stories as you hear all these stories throughout the day like at one point Jay Wright's told an amazing story about Jack Nunji and about how he had to transfer <laughs> back close to home you know with with his dad and all that sort of stuff so let's talk about that game because that was the first game was as expected, like I said, a common sense win. Tom Izzo wins in March. We get it. But the second game, first appearance for Kennesaw State in the NCAA tournament. A couple weeks ago, it was the first time they ever played on national TV. So this That's is a wild. <laughs> right. This yeah. is a program that is brand new, brand new. And they play Sean Miller, who is a coach that obviously is a really good basketball coach, but also has had some times in March that have been confusing. We remember the DeAndre Ayton game against Nate Oates' Buffalo team. That was pretty much the end of his Arizona tenure, right? That's the one that sticks in your mind. But he struggled in March. And in this game, Xavier struggled against Kennesaw State because their athleticism, as you pointed out, was on a different level. What did we see in this game? And how did Xavier end up surviving? Because it was was something to behold. And it let us know that, hey, today might be common sense to start, but the chaos is coming. Yeah, it was it was kind of like we, we, the day up until the Purdue game. It was kind of like uh, almost almost interesting. We had we had some mm-hmm. interesting games, that, but like throughout the, the beginning of that game, you're right. Like it, it really did seem like Kennesaw State's speed, cumulative speed, kind of jumped off the page and surprised Xavier. Like you know, they played a lot of the game on their heels, um, but uh, little by little, they kind of just chipped away at Xavier. Over they the got down the by game. 13 in yeah. this game, and that was when you kind of you know we saw the the live look memes of Sean Miller sweating that was a a great time in college basketball we got those coming back that was fun um and the crazy part is that you know the race to 69 is something on this show that we take pride in it's a lot of fun it works 93 percent of the time as we all know and in this game Suli boom had a wide open layup tied 67 67 literally no one around him and just blows it and in that moment in time i was like oh man this feels like a precursor to pain right that's gonna come (laughs) But somehow or another, Suli Boom ends up hitting four clutch, clutch free throws at the end of this game. They score 15 unanswered points. They go in a 24-6 run to close it out. And uh, one of the moments that's going to stick in my mind is not Xavier-related, not Sean Miller-related, but Amir Abdurrahim, who's the coach of Kennesaw State, his sarcastic clapping as Suli Boom gets the foul at the end of the game yeah. that basically seals it at the free throw line. That is what sticks out to me. He became a star in this tournament. And then after the game, he cries, you know, so he goes from this great memeable moment to the tears to show how much he cares about these kids. Mm -hmm. So even though Kennesaw State lost today, 
I felt like they won, and they're definitely going to be in the March Madness montage, in the one shining moment montage. They're going to be all over it. That that's the win for them today. That's the I mean yeah yeah perennially that's one of the most exciting things about March is we we meet these teams and the these stories kind of stick with us and it's interesting to see these guys how they react on the big stage for the first time and throughout this game you know the the, the nation got to meet uh, Terrell Burden throughout this game and he was just and, and something to watch with some of these scrappier young teams if 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 you can continue to impose your will. You can kind of eat into, the, get into their legs. Purdue failed to do this because they failed to dictate style throughout the game. But like Xavier slowly kind of ate away at that lead. Uh, at one point, yeah, at like fifteen minute at the fifteen minute mark of the second half, uh, yeah, Kennesaw State was up uh, thirteen points on them, and it, it just all the momentum. You know, there there was one play. There, it was a story of redemption. Everybody loves redemption. I love they, redemption. I love a redemption story. And you know, there was a play where. Uh, Terrell Burden, who who had, you know, 14 points today, 6 of 16. It was kind of a day of shot creators, like living or dying. We saw a little bit of that in NC State. We saw a little bit of that with our, our game that we were just watching with uh, with Indiana versus Kennesaw. Or not Kennesaw, Kent State. Kent State. <laughs> yeah, a lot of K-State's State. out there. We got Kansas State as well. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, Jack Nungy got a, a switch on to Terrell Burden, and he just absolutely baptized him in fire like Scorpion took the mask off, skull, fatality, destroyed him. And it, and that felt like an iconic, like, symbolic symbolic moment for this game where it was just like, man, Kennesaw State, or I keep, the, yeah, Kennesaw State just really, really eviscerating uh, them with their speed. But then at the end of the game, Nunji gets redemption. He gets the he gets the low man rotates perfect timing rotates and gets a block on Burden to seal the deal for Xavier and the, and they come away and they you know Sean Miller I feel like he's really benefited from the apparel switch that college coaches had you know he was first team all sweater yeah and I don't the mean the tie like, was not good for him we're talking perspiration mm-hmm. you know it's it's just kind of a you know dark colors navies when he's sweating in that it's not as visible he doesn't have to wear the white shirt or anything like that you know because even if you're wearing black if you're wearing you can you can switch to the dark shirt. But you get that shine and everybody's like, stay away from him. You know, it's like and uh, he's taking the huggy bear pullover method where he's like, I have a pullover that's dry fit and rainproof. So therefore, like if I sweat, it doesn't look like I'm sweating because it's built for this, you know, and then everything underneath, I'm sure is drenched, especially sure, at yeah. the at halftime of this game. It felt like Sean Miller felt it. We saw it with the players, right? Kunkel and Suli Boom at one point. They argue on the court. That was, you know, for everyone to see. And then they take it all the way to the bench. And then from there, whatever whatever they said to each other, it clicked because Kunkel hit a big three late and then Suli Boom kind of closed it out at the free throw line. So yeah. may, maybe sometimes controversy or conflict helps. Well, we saw another example that we'll talk about in a little bit about weird, you know, just weird moment, like weird friction in pivotal moments. It, you know, maybe it's a reflection of how, you know, stable your team is and your team chemistry is. But they they had an argument sometimes. I don't know, man. I've had arguments with some of my best friends and it ends up being a good thing. I think I think it can be a sort of like a like a galvanizing thing or it can be a thing that splits you apart. You know, I, I just know that like sometimes intense moments, a nice honesty can be a good thing. And maybe it was for Xavier throughout this game. Maybe they you know, they they needed that moment to to sort of uh, move forward. You know, you never know. But and we they, now have the Sean Miller Bowl ahead, right? We have Pittsburgh, his alma mater. We're going to get lots of lots of pictures of Sean Miller from his days at Pittsburgh. That's going to be a fun matchup. But you pointed out this, you know, commonality that we're talking about. Can you galvanize your group? Can some of those moments of conflict change things? And I think that leads us perfectly to one of the most shocking games of the late window as far as the drama, the intrigue, my own personal affinity for Mr. Penny Hardaway, Coach Penny Hardaway. 
Uh, my heart was broken. They how do they not get this timeout called? Where's Chris Vernon? This like send it to the top. It's weird. Condoleezza Rice. How did this yeah, happen? Yeah, it's weird that they didn't consult Verno. I thought that was an odd choice. I don't know why they right. didn't. They called timeout. He called. Uh, everyone called timeout. You Penny know. Hardaway's entire assistant Penny staff. called timeout. Lomax out. called it. Davis called it. His son on the ground, uh, who was also holding the ball with another player, called it, even though that would be a jump ball. <laughs> but that th- this moment in time, before we get to that, let's talk about before that. So Kendrick Davis goes up for a three. He comes down. Looks like he lands on the foot of, you know, an owl player. And he immediately, you know, reacts and it looks like it's very bad. He runs off the court. He falls down. It's a very Paul Pierce moment. Big in the reaction. Big reaction. Big reaction. Huge reaction. Yeah. And then he gets up. The trainer's trying to, you know, get him, grab him. He then goes into the huddle as Penny is trying to to talk to his team in the huddle. He starts saying something to the huddle. We don't think, know what I happens. Think, I think he worked himself into such an emotional lather. Like, well, they went over there. We, we I was re- heartbroken because I love Kendrick Davis. SMU transfer, like one of my Kimba candidates. So I, I'm invested. I'm like, what is happening? But then, like you said, it just became like this whole spectacle of a moment. And and does that galvanize or does that break? Does, it was does it create we- friction. Yeah, it was just a weird vibe. Like he, like he, he, oh, he got so and there was this kind of like oh no there was like this this crestfallen vibe that came over it and I think the transition from that to he goes over there and he's laying on the ground and I think the trainer I couldn't see it because it was over his shoulder he gave the Lockman test which if you ever torn your ACL you know about this it's yes. where they get under your the lower part of your leg and pull on it and if your knee moves like a drawer that means you probably tore your ACL so we're like oh did he tear his ACL and then he comes back over and we're all just kind of watching Whenever somebody gets hurt, you're kind of everyone just kind of st- stops and kind of watches them to try to gauge just how bad it is. And then, he, like you said, he comes back over to the huddle and he starts trying to motivate them in this admonishing kind of way, like like in this like, uh, you guys better do that. It was just, yeah, and they're, yeah, and they're like, all looking. He was at like him. reprimanding them, but he was <laughs> yeah. trying to motivate them. It was like a, it was like, what is he saying? And then Lomax <laughs> is is partner in the backcourt, kind of walks him over to the bench, and then Penny Hardaway comes over, and then he gets mad at Penny. It looked like it just seemed it, you're it, trying to win a close game. And it was tournament. days of our lives. It was yeah. a soap opera on the sideline. Yeah, so. Penny. Penny was like, you got to get out of here. I, right. I don't know if I'd really ever seen anything quite like it. And he and he. uh yeah, and so he goes over there, and we're just like, "Is he done?" It, I mean, he just—it looked like a quick sprain. I mean, I know you can you can get a high sprain just from a quick pop like that, but then he, he you know, they come back and he checks back into the game, and we were like, "What?" Right, is we happening? thought he was out of the game. I mean, yeah. that that was what the injury looked like. And then the, the fast forward, right? So that moment happens in time, and Memphis kind of had this game. I mean, we're at the point where Florida Atlantic is about to foul because Memphis has the basketball; they have possession and they have a one point lead. And Kendrick Davis, they're in the backcourt. They have one timeout. Kendrick Davis and Lomax are trying to make sure they don't get a backcourt violation. Yeah. He starts to push. And as he does, he throws a cross-court pass. It gets intercepted, right? So this this all happens after this moment. Now we're fast-forward three minutes in the game of real time, and yeah. this happens. Big turnover, massive turnover. And then Florida Atlantic goes to the ground. Ball goes to the ground. He gets a steal. And that's when the timeout happens. It's controversial. Memphis is calling for timeouts. Uh, they're claiming that, you know, Lomax and Hardaway, who was on the court with the basketball, were calling for a timeout. Instead, the ref says jump ball. As we see, possession, Florida Atlantic. Oh, and then yeah. Dusty May says, I'm going to drop a play for my guys. Gets it all drafted. Five and a half seconds left. They inbound the ball. We all know the rest is history. They get a bucket. Memphis doesn't even get a shot off in response. 
and it goes from a it's blocked. I mean, the last right. shot got blocked. Didn't yeah. even get off though, like yeah. before it even well, even well, yeah, got it blocked. It was after the buzzer, but either way, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you go from if you're Memphis, right? Let, let's just think about this. You're Memphis. You have a one point lead, and you have the basketball, and they're going to have to foul. You would be playing a 16 seed. So you basically have a direct beeline to the Sweet 16 if all things go according to plan. And that was why it was so heartbreaking. And I understand why after the game, Penny Hardaway was so upset. He he has brought up the call. He said it was the most controversial call of the tournament. I think that may be a stretch, but I can I can see it. I understand it. It yeah. did. It did. There was five people at least calling timeout between the bench and the players on the court. Yeah. But also, it didn't look like he had possession at, when they were calling it. So it was it, hard to tell. I mean, a, we're looking through a camera lens and right. they're looking at it and they're moving. It's loud. It's moving fast. Also, it's kind of, you know, it's it's one of those like Pacino, the inches are all around us type thing because it just as easily on that interception, Davis for Florida Atlantic caught it and pivoted towards the sideline instead of the other way. If he had turned towards the, the middle of the court, the guy that he had a teammate streaking wide for a wide open, open under in that yeah. way. And he like, so, you know, it's there are a million things that happen over the course of a game. I think Penny threw his water bottle at one point. We oh, saw, we saw, I pa- collapsed. Like the, 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 assist, the like assistant ben, coaches of Memphis, they like, all collapsed the same way like that ben I Hogan, did. Ben Hogan, isn't that the clip Ben Hogan where yeah. he's just he's down on his knees? Yeah. Like, I was like, it, like I was in church and, and I found the Holy Spirit yeah. on the ground. Yeah. But it was, uh, God, it, that, that game I thought was in hand, but it just kind of goes to show you, not, you know, you never know if Memphis, you know, if they're checking their phones, they're like, oh my God, Purdue. You start giving each other the kind of the look like we we handle business here. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show you, man. It, like even I feel like, and we've we've had a lot of conversations today about like the, the mojo, the dark forces. You know, Tate has talked about how he sacrificed God knows what if it was a, <laughs> if it was a goat or if it was some live creature on an altar in Chapel Hill. I don't know what you guys have going there. Some <laughs> some altar, some something happened. You were dealing with blood magic, I feel like. You've been tinkering with the forces in the universe. It's kind of like it's the thing, Game of Thrones. You know, you can you can get your wish to keep Khal Drogo alive, but it's at a price, you know. So it's it's a Kyle producer Kyle called it b- blood magic. And you're still I still like you're I still feel like you haven't learned your lesson, Tate. I still feel like you're trying to manipulate and play with these dark forces. And I'm worried. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen to you. To and I think it worked, and it worked in a in a game that we thought might be the best game of the day, which is the NC State Creighton game, and that was the <laughs> game that started at one o'clock Pacific time for us. And of course, you know, NC State an 11 seed. They had one of our guys, one of Kyle's uh, guys in particular. His name is DJ Burns, and uh, he's a big boy. He's a man that's loved by many. In fact, he put out a, a, a new single before the game <laughs> called "Beast Boy" um, with lyrics. You know, as as, as amazing as well, I'm a heart. beast boy and I'm a feast boy, you know, and uh, <laughs> I he am did not. Be- he did not feast in this game. He kind of you know, he kind of flipped the meaning of that phrase. And it's it's a master masterful move there. He said, you know, he's like, you know, claiming his identity and then, yes. and then saying what he's going to do. You know, I'm a beast boy. I'm right. a feast. I, I, it's nice. I, I appreciate Double it. Double entendre. We love to see it. I'm, I'm a sure. big DJ Burns guy. But this goes back to your dark magic, because you and I, when we were talking about this game. I pointed out Ryan Kalkbrenner, and I said Ryan Kalkbrenner is sometimes can be a little lethargic. He can sometimes be a little disengaged, and if he goes up against a big body like DJ Burns, I wonder will he show up. And this is called bulletin board material, folks, because I think Creighton. Let's hope they're listening to the podcast. I think they took that. They showed it to seven foot one Ryan Kalkbrenner. They said, "Look at this idiot." Look what he's saying about you. You guys were saying cockburner. You're yes. snickering. Yes. Oh man, we won't even so say funny. his name right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
And no. guess what he does, folks? Bulletin board material, career-high 31 points. Career-high 31 points. And by the time you looked up when this game started, he already had double digits. I mean, he, he was dominating from the start. DJ Burns, a.k.a. Beast Boy, two points. Picked up picked up four fouls at the 13-minute mark in the second half, which was like, they, he was their only real shot at, like, stop. it was just... Continue though, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. This is this is a moment in time where Ryan Kalkbrenner was called out by this show. We said, I don't see it. I see DJ Burns potentially being a problem. Ryan Kalkbrenner says, not today, folks. AK, we're we're playing with dark magic right now, folks. Yeah. Because uh, you know, I was worried about 1983 happening again. It's 40 years later. NC State would have lived off that for 40 more years. We would have heard about that for a long time. And Terquavion Smith did all he could today. 32 points. He took 27 shots. I'm a guy that likes FGAs. That's my favorite stat. So I respect the FGAs for Terquavion Smith. He just, you know, he couldn't quite do it um, by himself. And Creighton, in my opinion, is the best starting five in the country when you talk about all five guys knowing their role and maximizing their roles. All five guys uh, in double digits today. And that kind of says, you know, what Creighton is, who they are. They got good shots. If you're a shot quality guy, shout out to shot quality. Creighton's one of the best shot quality teams in the country. Well, yeah, you look last year, South Dakota State was near the top of the country. And that's just because Baylor Shireman. Sometimes you just need that guy who has the sense to be like ball reversal. Let's reverse the ball that he needs to know, like, oh, there's a cutter. Just having that, you know. Just having that. He's a connector. Having that sense, he he connects people. He's sort of, you know, if he weren't playing basketball, I feel like he'd be like a behind-the-scenes producer type. He'd be like connecting talent, be like putting guys together in projects. Like, you know, oh, no, I don't want any credit. I kind of feel, we, we're Shireman guys. But, it, like, if you looked at, like, I, I, culprit are really, really just, they they killed them in the high-low. That was the thing, too. They, like, they fouled him out. And I just thought Creighton is a team that I feel like has more name recognition than, and you know, they've had great players in the past, but I just feel like you and I were talking about, they've got these guys that we know, we know about Nimhard. We know he's Andrew Nimhard's brother, you know, our, you know, Kaluma was on dream city with Shaden Sharp. We know these guys, Colt Brenner. It's the first time. It's one of the first Creighton teams. I feel like we've kind of known, but it was, it was, it was cool to see them. I think they just work together well, whether or not they're the most talented starting five in the country, you know, and it was indicative in the, in the way that they played today. You know, they really 15 to three assist advantage, like NC state versus Creighton. Uh, it just went to show you that like, you know, NC state as fun as it is to have these guys, they can, they, you live and die with them. And today, you know, NC state died with the, with the, with the ISO, you know, shot creation thing. And Terquavion Smith, like I said, he had a great game, but he dominated the game. He dominated the ball. And with the foul trouble, look, I love DJ Burns. This is no knock on him. DJ Burns being in foul trouble changed the entire dynamic of this game with what NC state wanted to do. And then you got Jarkel Joyner and Terquavion Smith that say, all right, it's our time. Let's go get us one. And Creighton is, is just too good of a team to play that way. You're not going to play hero ball and beat Creighton. They're and, not going to beat themselves. Right, kind of thing. right. And that's why it's a tough matchup. That's why it was a tough matchup from the jump for NC State. I think NC State had a great season. We want to give them their credit and, and give them their due. But uh, Creighton moves on. They're playing Baylor. I mean, there's really no big takeaways from the Baylor uh, UCSB game other than Joe Pasternak. You let me down. Joe Pasternak. <laughs> I put my OSP parlay out there for the Gauchos to cover, and he let me down. Um, I'm, I'm upset about that. A.J. Mitchell played a good game, though, for the Gauchos. They were up at halftime, you at UCSB, and uh, Baylor's big problem, if you watch Baylor over the past month, is rebounding. And Scott Drew, every time after the games, when he's doing these post-game press conferences, when he's doing his radio show, 
Scott Drew continues to hammer the point. We're working on rebounding. We're working on rebounding. When you think about Baylor and rebounding, you think of Torian Prince when he was asked famously, like, how do you let a team out-rebound you guys? And he's like, well, they went up and they grabbed the ball off the rim and they pulled it down with two hands. That's what they're working on at Baylor. They're trying to learn how to rebound. And in this game, they it's still a concern for me. In the second half, they, they got it together. They ended up winning this game, the rebounding battle, I think 29-23 in the second half. But that is a concern. So even though Baylor locked it up and got a nice win, I am a, a still a little bit worried. But when you think about the talent that's on Baylor and Chachua, who we were talking about, that, mm. that defensive force, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kalkbrenner going up against him. That's going to be a different battle, in my opinion. Much more aggressive. I mean, you remember Chachua a couple years ago in that title game against Gonzaga. His physicality, which I feel like was the last time we really saw him like full-blown Chachua. Like he's he's the kind of guy who can come up and he's kinetic and he's moving and he's physical and he's really strong and he's kind of overwhelming, honestly, sometimes when he's really moving in space. So uh, him versus Kalkbrenner. Baylor versus Baylor here. We get Shireman versus... So, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be, uh, th- that's going to be a matchup that I want to check out for sure. That was a, uh, I thought we were talking, uh, Titus and I on our, on our show, we were talking about names where like a guy could go there and their name would be their Jersey, you know? Sure. And like the, the idea of Baylor Shireman in my mind, going to Baylor with Baylor and then Shireman on the back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that would be so amazing. First name, last name, Jay Fusteristic, you know, that would have been a great moment in basketball history. But again, he gets to play Baylor, Baylor versus Baylor. That's fun. Let's talk about your team. Um, because the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, Kyle Mann is a man from Kentucky. I am. He's a man that, you know, knows the Wildcats well. Somewhat. This is, this is my first time watching a Kentucky game with you, and I want to— What was your impression? I'm curious. Well, I want to validate to all the people out there. There's a lot of people that say they're college basketball fans or, like, they're fans of a team, but you, you know, you can tell when they watch their team, especially if they're a blue blood guy, you got it. You got it. You got the stuff, kid. You know what I mean? Like, it, like you got the juice. You're a Blue Blood fan. I, I I, see no more. I saw the tape. You know how to watch your team. You watch your team like you're supposed to. I I give it uh, five stars. I appreciate it. And guess what? Kentucky showed up for you today, which was nice. I appreciated your support, too. You know, we humbly accept. Blue Bloods, just... bloods got to stick together. In a world where the new Bloods and the true Bloods are all coming for our necks, we got to stick together. Tate at one point said, that's us when the ball went out of bounds. It was Kentucky <laughs> and I heard. I, I, heard I also did you. that with Penny Hardaway as well. I was <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> That's <son."> us. <laughs> Very fl- floating allegiance since right. his team's not in the tournament. That's right. not a pot shot. But I yet yeah, like uh, <laughs> no, I, it was a game that obviously Kentucky at like the three, four, five spots had like a huge length and athleticism advantage. They were really eating, making a living in the middle of the floor. They did get some shots up. Antonio Reeves, I think they they put together some runs where they got turnovers and transition threes and Reeves shot the ball pretty well. But the main thing I think is that um, they started getting downhill in the second half. Kaysen started turning the corner on pick and rolls. And um, Oscar Sheba, it, it just looked like I, I'm a guy that's being critical of Oscar. Oscar was engaged. He looked like the Oscar that we want him to be today. Yes, I've been critical Contained. of Oscar. But tonight, today, it, it kind of seemed like Providence just was pretty ill-equipped and not ready to handle him. And uh, he he had some moments where some just weird brain fart defensive lapses, like trying to steal the entry pass against a guy that he should be able to physically dominate that I didn't understand. But he just, he he ate. I think he had like 20 rebounds today. Um, we looked up early, and I'm like, Oscar has 15 rebounds already? <laughs> yeah, early in the game. Yeah. yeah, and then Cal like took the air out of the ball, as he infamously does. Something that, you know, I, there were two absolutely shocking things today that I can't quite decide if they're on the same level or not. You know, Fairleigh Dickinson takes down a number one seed today. You know, obviously, the, all the, like, advanced analytics have kind of said that, like, that's the biggest upset of all time. 
Another thing that I think is on the same level is that Oscar Sheway actually at one point had the ball under the basket and threw a shovel pass uh, to, I believe, Jacob Toppin for a dunk. And uh, I think that might be equally shocking. Uh, you know, he's he's just been one of the more, <laughs> I mean, facetious, obviously, that like he's he's one of the more shockingly bad passers. And I just, I kind of had a moment. We love to say that's game. Unfortunately, that's the game early, you know. And yeah. There was a point at that game where the, the, I don't know if I've ever seen a free throw sit on the rim that, the way that the it did. The sitter, yeah. So that was another big thing. So It was an omen. I yeah. thought that was an omen. When that, when that sat on the rim and they got another free throw and he hit it, I go, unfortunately, that's game. I and, thought, I thought today's our... Yeah, Greensboro, North Carolina. That was the, the rim with the Iowa State and with Kentucky. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. A lot of rim, yeah, a lot of rim chicanery going on today. I didn't know really what was going on. Something was in the air. People were like, hey, you know, the rim's not even or it's not tight. And we started talking about how do you measure? Is there an official device that you can, like, measure that, you know, you measure the recoil of the rim? Uh, but you you made the good point that you, you can't really do that. You know, rims just, they age, you know, like, and you either... You either keep them up there or you don't. Like Maui, they, they that rim has seen a number of legends, untold yes. number. Yes. But these seemed a little tight, a little fresh. And uh, yeah, it, it was a factor today. It was talked about a lot. Yeah, Iowa State in the same gym, they pointed out in warm-ups that they thought it was uneven. And then they decided to let them do their thing, fix it. Then they decided not to warm up after they made the changes to the rims. They just deferred, I guess, because of the timing and all that sort of stuff. And then they came out against Pitt, who ended up winning. You know, spoiler alert, they ended up dominating this game. But Iowa State shot 23% from the field on these same rims. So then Kentucky, fast forward, Kentucky plays after them. We get the ball sitting on the rim the way that it did. I mean, that's, I can't think of another time. I'm sure it has happened. I, I can't remember who was calling that game, but they were like, this is the second time we've seen this happen in a tournament game. So It was Ian Eagle. I think it was Ian Eagle. So Ian Eagle has seen it before. I was uh, I was shocked to see it. It goes back to the Greensboro rims. Are they the tightest rims in basketball? It looks like it, especially in this tournament. And Kentucky getting a win there, I think that's encouraging, right? You're not playing on soft rims. You're playing in a tough environment. People aren't shooting well anyway. And I wanted to point out Jacob Toppin because I think Jacob Toppin, I'm not mm. saying he's the best player on Kentucky, but I'll use the old trope, the old adage, he might be the most important player. And I think he, you like that, Kyle. Kyle like that. Kyle, Kyle like that. Kyle, low man wins in Classic. basketball. You ever heard that make one? Shots. Yeah, make you shots like that. You got to make shots. You know, you, you've heard all these things before. But Jacob Toppin to me, sincerely, I think he's helped give this group. So they're not so tight. They have some life. They're playing a little bit looser. And if you saw his commercial, I mean, the guy knows how to act. I think that's a great commercial. Future, he delivered that one line really well, I thought. Yeah, he seemed chill. You know, no premonitions this year before the tournament game. Uh, you know, that was good. I don't know how I they, was how worried. I'll tell you, when I saw that commercial, I was like, because, you know, Carolina's in the Marriott Bonvoy commercial, and that was, as we know, not not the best. Uh, but when I saw Jacob <laughs> Toppin, I was like, oh, man, I'm worried about the commercial curse here. But he's done a great job so far. They get a win. They kind of get that off their back. Bryce Hopkins, the tr this was supposed to be the Bryce Hopkins game, and Kentucky won that war, right? I mean, that that's that's officially certified and done. Yeah, there was kind of a vibe turning point in that game where Hopkins took Toppin from, the I think, the left wing and took him all the way to the block and scored, like big boyed him, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, his teammates are all doing the too small thing. And I think, you know, a couple minutes later, he has a, uh, a little what looks like a clear path to the basket, and Toppin just blocked the shit out of him. And it seemed like he was kind of not the same ever since. He looked like he was just completely bowled over and didn't know what happened. Um, anyway, man, they move on next round. I'm taking it a game at a time. We'll check back in. I'm sure I'll be disappointed next time we talk when they play Kansas State, who also moved on. But uh, 
yeah, I'm I'm just taking it. I'm taking it slow. Take speaking of the Wildcats, the other Wildcats, the other K State, Kansas State. Like you said, they play Montana State. We were excited about Raekwon Battle. This was not his night. I mean, he he played okay, but at the end of the day, um, Kansas State is a really good basketball team. Jerome Tang is a really good basketball coach, and they just handle business. You know, as we this game was kind of the one. We, of course, we're doing the YouTube YouTube TV quad box. Shout out to them. Turns out also that the president of YouTube TV went to Duke. So I told you it was a blue blood. You called that. Yeah. Shout out. Spot to, on. Shout out to them. It's that blood um, magic. Careful. Yeah, it's that blue blood magic. You know it. You know it. Um. But yeah, so Blue blood this game, this game in the quad box, like you didn't really have to go check in on it because they were just Kansas State was handling business the entire time, looking like the three seed that they are. And I came away from this game saying, oh, uh, Wildcats versus Wildcats. That's going to be a fun game. These are two talented teams. And if Greensboro can get the rims level, we might have a great basketball game. Yeah, it's a stylistic collision. You know, like I, I think that's like we said, you live and you die with your, your shot creators. Raekwon Battle, um, he, he didn't quite have the, what we thought. We, th- we thought he could potentially elevate them. And, but I, I think these two the, and the fighting Craig Kilborns, we have to mention. I think. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Craig Kil- Kilborn. One of the craziest BS podcasts ever. <sighs> Episode 97. Go listen to it. Yeah, it's insane. He's a legend. Uh, so <laughs> Scared me. Scared of young Tate. He had a lot of pent-up energy, I feel like. I was like, Bill, never go on a walk again in your neighborhood because that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I remembered that one vividly. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I think that th- these are two teams that like to play slow. And, you know, I, but they're also susceptible to offensive rebounds. I, I'm pretty sure that, like, I, I don't have it in front of me, but Kansas State has been vulnerable to that. And that's Kentucky's strength. So if you're going to say that there was an opening, um, uh, Kentucky going to continue to lean on that. So stylistically, I don't know that they're going to get shell-shocked by anybody weird until if they can advance past this this uh, this game. But Kansas State, you know, they've got they've got older guys, as a lot of teams do in this tournament. And uh they, it's a toss-up, honestly, between these two teams, in my opinion. And we got five coaches that are first-year head coaches that have moved on uh, to the second round. So, that you know, Jerome Tang at Kansas State is one of those guys. Tobin Anderson uh, at F- FDU, of course, who was the 16th seed. Dennis Gates at Missouri. I want to shout out to Dennis Gates because apparently on the show last night, I called him Lamont Paris. That's on me because <laughs> I was looking at the transfer portal because that's what Carolina fans are doing right now. <laughs> and uh, I think I was looking at what South Carolina had, maybe Gigi Jackson or something. But regardless, Lamont Paris was on my mind. I apologize to Dennis Gates. Great coach. First year, he makes it. Sean Miller from Xavier, his first year, he makes it. And Kevin Willard uh, with Maryland. Those are the five guys that do that. So wanted to shout out Jerome Tang. That it's It's good to see first-year head coaches at programs do good things. That's positive for college basketball. You know, we say this in all the sports, the league is in good hands. Maybe it might <laughs> be with the coaches, yeah. you know, that maybe, maybe, maybe the coaches, maybe it is in good hands Sports moving forward. In good hands. Yeah, these, that's good. These leaders of men, these yeah. leaders of men. Uh, so Kansas state, they win by 12, you know, pretty uh, smooth game for them. It'll be fun to see wildcats versus wildcats. Like I said, speaking of a wildcat, uh, a former wildcat, a man that coached a Camelot, Rick Pitino sports. This episode is brought to you by Bi. It's Wonder Water. What makes Bi so great? It's simple. From raspberry lemon lime by Sydney Sweeney to Zambia Bing Cherry and Palavo Pineapple Mango, Bi has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. So for flavorful hydration, choose Bi. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about Bi and discover all of the exotic, bold flavors at drinkbi.com. Rick Pitino, our guy. Um, the main character of this show, the person that I care about the most in basketball, the best basketball coach 
at any level outside of maybe Larry Brown in my book. Just look at the stats, look at the records, whatever. Wow. They play the right way. They don't cheat the game. Just kidding. Dean Smith's the best. Um, I, I they haven't been under undermined by the you know by the first year success right. of, of, of their successor. You know, it's uh, he doesn't have that going on. <laughs> right, for him. right. The Mount Rushmore is changing. It's evolving. But yeah. Rick Pitino for the people at home. Obviously, we were excited about this game. I own a 13 seed playing UConn, and they were up 39-37 at halftime. People were talking. This is exactly what Rick needed. And Rick let the world know that, look, Iona, a tough team, a team that can go out there and compete with anybody. But in the second half, UConn said, this is why we're one of the best teams in the country. They pretty much just dominated. They shot 44% from three in this game. Sonogo had 28-13. and 13. I mean, that's just absolutely dominant. They didn't have an answer for the talent of UConn. Um, but speaking of the future and talent, things like that, Rick Pitino was asked after the game, and he said uh, he doesn't have an answer on his future. Um, and there was a report that says St. John's intends to hire Rick Pitino, but that why, does not mean that Rick Pitino intends to go to St. John's. Why would they do that, Tate? Why do you think? Why would, why right. would, they, why would that Brian get Brian Windhorst, fingers, who's also, uh, he was at the Kent State game, Calling out sh- shots at Brian Windhorst. This guy went on NBA Today, and I don't know. There's this kind of weird um, group, a cabal of sorts in the NBA <laughs> that doesn't want to acknowledge college basketball at any level. And they asked my guy, Wendy. I love Brian Windhorst, by the way. One of my favorite reporters. He always makes me laugh. Brian Windhorst, they're like, you're going to fill out a bracket. He's like, I'm, I've never filled out a bracket in my life. Like, he was disgusted by it. And then I'm watching March Madness tonight. I'm on freaking True TV. And who is it but freaking Brian Windhorst watching Kent State in Albany, New York against Indiana, looking like the biggest college basketball fan. Someone is trying to, to set this agenda, and it's not Brian Windhorst. He loves Kent State. He loves the golden flashes. It was great He's to see closeted. him at the game. He's closeted, yeah. and he needs to he needs to come clean. Like I just I just think it's it, it is interesting. Brian Windhorst, one of the one of the most just naturally funny. I don't know if the guy's ever told a joke in his life, but his just vibe. You just start. I don't know. He has that. He has that. Just, just like him. You're just like yeah, I like yeah, what Wendy's got to say. Something yeah. about this guy. Probably why he's been so successful. But like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, it, it is. It is funny. You, you hear a lot of that. Tate. I, I feel like we we are battling and fighting for the the cause of college basketball, and we're going to win. I think good is going to prevail. Everyone should be watching college basketball, especially at this time with Rick Pitino. And like I said, St. John's may intend to want to hire Rick Pitino. That might be the scuttlebutt that's going on right now. But Rick Pitino has options, right? This is like. There's a pretty girl in class that wants to date Rick Pitino. And Rick Pitino is like, she's all right. You know, I like her, <laughs> but I kind of like what I got going on over here with my current girlfriend. You yeah. Know? And that Absolutely. is what the real question is. It's like what he has at Iona, a private school. They've kind of set up everything for him. They're thrilled to have him. He's yeah. only getting better rosters and better teams. And he's only getting more comfortable there. And Rick Pitino, the reason he leaves Iona is not to go to some like one bump up or two bump up job. It's to go to a blue blood or a team that he deems a team that can win a national championship, a la Miami, right? Not to say that he would go to Miami, but give it an example. Jim Laranega is at a George Mason, right? Everything's money. He's got a great setup. But the only thing that he's thinking to himself, if I get an opportunity to go to a school that I can recruit at that level and get those guys that can actually get you over the hump, that has my interest, you know, especially later in life. Rick Pitino is looking for that job. And I'm not sure that St. John's is that job. And it might be if St. John's comes to the table, gives Rick what he's looking for, you know, makes it all makes it all make sense. 
they might be able to get it done. But Rick Pitino can wait. That's what I want people to know. Like Rick Pitino, everyone makes the 15 seconds jokes as if he gets things done pretty quickly. I think he can have patience in this moment. I think he can sit back. I really do. And I think that he doesn't have to go anywhere right now. And they're going to try the 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 people at St. John's and the biggies powers that be are going to try to push this narrative. He has to go to St. John's. He doesn't. And he may go to St. John's on his own volition. But all I'm saying is don't be so sure that it's a done deal. That's all I'm saying. I I don't even want to go into the weeds to navigate. the. I just want to acknowledge how much I love the 15 seconds and the, and the he can wait thing. I like that. He comparison. can wait. I think there are some issues there with the ability to choose, I think, that are interesting to, to parse, but I won't do it in this time. I was going to say, too, another, you know, on, on the, the Big E, speaking of the Big E's, big day for the Big E's. You, right. know, I, 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 you know, we still have left in this tournament Marquette, Creighton, UConn, and Xavier. All those teams are valid, potent. You know, speaking of potency, you were talking about Rick Pitino. Uh, these, are, these are potent teams that are ready to uh, to really make their mark on the tournament. I don't want to say a, a yeah, that's, word, that's but great. I'll regret, regret uh, Elmer Fudd. Yeah, so I um, it's late. But just looking at that UConn game, um, I, just to quickly wrap that up, yeah, they, they, they win the first five minutes of the second half. That's a big thing in these tournament games. Don't lose. Don't hemorrhage points in the last five minutes of the half. Win the beginning of the second half. And they did that with their off. I, I think they really stressed Iona's off-ball communication. They got Jordan Hawkins open for a, it just just a wet jumper. He comes off both times right side, nets a three. They get Sonogo on a back screen wide open. And they hang back. They protect leads, UConn does. They're a team that can knock somebody off. They could go really far. And sometimes it's condescending if you say, oh, they can knock somebody off. They're not a real. They're a, ten, they're a team, dude. I mean, like, they can beat anybody. Like, yeah. they have real talent. And and uh, they, they can hang back and, and play defense. They don't gamble a ton. And, you know, Hurley looks like a district attorney in like a procedural like Richard Price show, I think. I, you know, I could see him just kind of arguing with the detectives saying, I need this much evidence for him for yeah. us to prosecute. Stable, Stabler's like pushing him, like like trying to fight him. And they're arguing over a case. And he's like the DA. And he's like, get out of here, Stabler. I don't want a hot head in the room. Who's this hot head? Get him out of here. Yeah. He just, he just, he seems like that kind of guy. Maybe I'm just talking about that because he looks like the the lawyer from Damages. But that that's another conversation for another day. I'm happy for Dan Hurley because I pointed out the the master versus the student between these two things or between these two guys, these two coaches, and uh, I was proud of him. He stood his ground. He coached a good game. He didn't panic at halftime. I thought that you know that was a question. That's what Patino thought. He was like, if we get them to you know we get them to the brink. They might break just because, yeah. you know, that that's what happens in this tournament. That's oh, what happens possible. in single elimination games. You mentioned uh, UConn can beat anybody. I'm fascinated by their next their second round matchup. St. Mary's won against VCU today. They played their pace. Aiden Mahaney did not score at all. He goes scoreless. So I, I find that as a nice little underlying story with this team. Let's see what he does against UConn. He's someone I think that could you know, go off. Uh, Duke has had a great game, had 17 points for them. But St. Mary's with Randy Bennett, um, they blew out Indiana last year. Then they played UCLA. That was a tough matchup. UCLA could have easily made a Final Four last year. I know that firsthand playing them oh, yeah. with Carolina. So St. Mary's is a really good team. I think they're almost a little undervalued. But going against UConn, that's going to be a great game. That's a great matchup. And uh, I'll be interested to see it yet again. That's Dan Hurley going up against a veteran coach that he's going to have to weather the storm. We were talking about weathering the storm. That's going to be a good second-round matchup right there. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Just another chance for him to, uh, you know, climb the gauntlet, <laughs> run the gauntlet. It, you, know, never, ne you don't get a break. You know, you got to turn around and prep for a team 
that's well coached like St. Mary's, it's it's a, it's a daunting task. We'll see if we can do it. Yeah, and speaking of Hurley's, let's talk about his brother, Bobby Hurley, at Arizona State. So Arizona State in this game, all things were going great. They were all going Arizona State's way. TCU, Mike Miles had a scary moment as well with an injury, we thought, at one point. But then he bounces back and makes some amazing plays for TCU. Looks like the, the OSP -er that we knew he could be. And TCU... And Jamie Dixon, I mean, there's been a lot of drama with this team. I, I mentioned, you know, a few shows back about Eddie Lampkin, their starting center. He put his name in the transfer portal, left the team. You know, they, they have all types of stuff going on with that situation. We don't have to get into that. But regardless, TCU, there's been a lot of drama going on. Um, and for this team to be down like they were, Arizona State looked like this game was out of reach at one point. And then TCU comes back, wins the race to 69 and sneaks away with a great win here. I felt for Bobby Hurley. This Arizona State team's been hot. They hit a half-court shot to even oh, yeah. be in consideration. Even in, yeah. yeah. And, and it looked like they were destined to get to the second round, and then all of a sudden, Jamie Dixon and TCU, they get a win. Yeah, sometimes you get that win behind you, and you think we're a team of destiny, and you just start to feel invincible. And I honestly, it, there's so much about this tournament that's like that. You were talking about weathering the storm and, and just uh, – you know, keeping that that sort of momentum of focus and things like that. And and it can, you know, you can sometimes you could put together these crazy runs and and overshoot. We were talking about analytics, schmanalytics, you know, that like <laughs> sometimes a one off performance for a team that doesn't communicate well, they have the game of their lives and you're going home. And, you know, we can we can study all these, you know, ask Purdue how they feel about that. You know, ask, uh, you know, can uh, it just. Yeah, I mean, today, Arizona State, it, it looked like they kind of had that behind them. But uh, TCU. Uh, TC TCU found a way to get it done, and then we were looking at Gonzaga. They handled business. That was another one that looked interesting for a minute, right? But but Gonzaga got it got it done. Yeah, and now Gonzaga, um, you know, they get in a situation where they're playing, you know, uh, a TCU team. Um, that that's going to be a fascinating matchup as far as the physicality. That reminds me a little bit of you know Arizona played TCU last year, and Benedict Matherin kind of saved the day and got them to the next round. But that led to TCU having a lot of hype going into the season because they brought their whole starting five back and they probably should have beat Arizona. But that physicality that TCU presents, I think Gonzaga is going to have the same issues that Arizona did last year. Obviously, the Tommy Lloyd-Mark Few connection there. So that's a game to circle. I'll be fascinated to see. I was not that impressed with how Gonzaga looked today. But like you said, they, they got the job done at the end of the day. Ended up winning by 12 over Grand Canyon. It's a good effort for Grand Canyon. It was cool to see Homer Drew in the building for his son coaching at Grand Canyon. Um, so, you know, you got the Drew brothers. So that that's always good for college basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of like uh, the last big one of the day that we have coming up that we need to talk about is Indiana because, yeah. uh, you know, Indiana was the last game before we got in the studio here. Trace Jackson Davis is officially Kyle's man, right? I think so. It, yeah, he's locked in, right, Kyle? You he's love Trace Jackson Davis. I've got a larger list that i got to pare down, but yes. He got a, he had some major blocks tonight, some major dunks. He had this nice. He had a couple baseline spins that, like, of course he's going to go back left, but for whatever reason, Kent State did not nobody, believe that was going to happen. Nobody told Kent State. Yeah, that. no one knew that, and uh, he dominated this game. And so did Race Thompson. Honestly, their front court, Indiana's front court, dominated. And Indiana, when they lead at half, they win. They're seventeen and one now, and they lead at half. So if you're an Indiana fan, just win the first half, and the rest is is gravy from go from there. There was a poise. I don't know. There was just kind of a poise, even even when Kent State would would push back, and you know, sincere Carey didn't have the didn't have the best game ever. Uh, uh you know, and then Indiana throughout, 
you know, Kyle, I saw his, his, his eyebrows were kind of raised, raised up at one point. He almost fell backwards over the couch because, you know, Trace Jackson Davis starts palming that ball and waving it around. Right. And you're like, maybe he'll go right. Spins back. At one, I mean, and he did a little bit of everything tonight. You know, he, he was scoring, he was passing the ball, I believe he had five assists. He, at one point, you know, defensively, he was really disruptive. He almost high pointed a shot at one point, And you're just like, uh, you know, it, it, over over the co- course of his time at Indiana, I've kind of been back and forth on him. I'm just like, I don't know, man. But the, he definitely displayed some of the tools that I think are translatable. You know, if, if he becomes that sort of a rim pressure guy, that kind of a passer, um, and that kind of defender, disruptive defender, you can you can definitely see the value. I uh, I really just blew it because I forgot to talk about Coach L, aka Coach Larinaga, and I you know I wanted to end it on Indiana. But before we move on to Miami, shout out to Coach Titus, uh, Indiana fan. Got to see the 16 seed lose, and then got to see his Hoosiers win. Made me think of him. Shout out to him. But let's talk about Larinaga because Miami they're playing a Drake team that after the game Larinaga says this is the best defensive team they played all year. You know, we were skeptical a little bit about Drake going into this game. I thought Miami would give them some problems. Turns out Drake gave Miami a lot of problems until Larinaga decided to press. Um, when was that? What was the time when they, they they started to press? Like with like what, like three minutes to go in the first half or something like that? Uh, yeah, it was about three forty eight left in the game. Uh, oh, in they, the game, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they start. It was a quick. Well, they they kind of were chipping away at it, and then you know they cough and cornered them, and you know, and uh, Drake coughed the ball up. I kind of wondered for a little bit. You know, I kind of said that I thought that uh, Miami was going to make Tucker DeVries have a, have a tough day. I wondered if we were dealing with one of those reverse uh, bulletin board situations. But Nigel Pack just hit a couple shots in a row. They had a couple live ball turnovers and big and my- elbow jumper, mid range jumper by Nigel Pack to kind of settle things. Down and that's why you and I both like Miami because of that backcourt and the fact that they had that and Norchad O'Meara playing in this game yeah. was the big question mark and the fact that he got announced as ready to go and ready to play and then had an actual impact on the game. Um, DeVries got a good look late with the three. Jordan Miller was late on a closeout, doesn't go in Clanked though. It. Yeah, but I mean Drake played a great game. Like we said, Miami was very impressed with Drake and now. I mean, based on what we, what we saw with Indiana with Trace Jackson Davis and what we got with this Miami team. That's a great 5-4 game. Like, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Very similar to St. Mary's UConn. We've got some great 5-4 games in the second round. Oh, yeah. They're just going to start piling up, Tate, the, the the good matchups. It's the beauty of this tournament. We just get, we get, keep getting uh, more and more excited. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, my, Miami definitely has what you're talking about there. They have those guys that can hit shots. We'll see. It was a good day for us. Not that, you know, not that we have any room to kind of brag about brackets at this point at all because we both are, we're both kind of done. But Miami is a key cog for us. I, think, I need Miami. And our, our remaining dignity as college basketball people. So we needed them to pull that one out. But uh, yeah. Shout out to Miami. I uh, appreciate you carrying us. And also, I, I enjoyed their promo they did uh, before the start of the tournament, the Don't Pick Us promo. I know a lot of people pointed out that Tennessee did that a few years ago before they got beat. But guess what? Miami broke the curse. They move on. That's all good news. We got some great second round matchups, you know, Saturday and Sunday coming up. First round is officially complete. Um, is there any big picture first round takeaways from Kyle Mann before we get out of here? Is there anything that you saw where you're like, ah, this is a, a fascinating wrinkle or a team that I like that 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 spoke to me a little bit, and then I'll come back and hit you with mine. I mean, I think the most excited, the one I'm most excited about is Kansas and Arkansas. I think that game mm. could be really, really fun. I think they match up pretty well. I think it's going to be a chance for Arkansas's guards. I ultimately think Kansas 
their poise. And I think, I think they, I, I ultimately think that they're going to pull that one away, but I could see it going either way. Like you mentioned, St. Mary's UConn is going to be good. Duke, Tennessee, Duke, Tennessee is going to be a really physical game. I don't know that, I don't know that Tennessee is going to have the versatility to, to stay with them, but that's going to be, uh, those are just a few uh, good ones uh, among several good matchups. Right. There's a lot of good matchups. Also Tennessee, if they can be physical with Duke, that'll be fascinating to see how, how far they can get that going and, and what the range is, or if they're going to be dealing with foul trouble. That's fascinating. But for me, the first round, the, the kind of the team that is stuck in my mind, just with, with the way that they played, is UCLA. Yes. UCLA, I can't, I can't get them out of my head. They look so good. They dominated that first round matchup. They have Northwestern, which will be a tough game. Chris Collins is a good basketball coach. There's a lot of uh, Mr. K disciples that are doing well in this tournament. Jeff Capel with Pitt, Chris Collins, obviously John Shire, right? This is a Mr. K is very happy. He's got his commercial, you know, he's talking about goats with Don Staley. He's he's living the dream right now. But I think as that is all being the center, you know, narrative as it's getting pushed, I still feel like Mick Cronin, this UCLA team, is maybe flying a little bit under the radar. I just like how they looked in the first round. I can't get them out of my head. And uh, even without, you know, Jalen Clark, I still think UCLA might be a team to reckon with. So just want to say that. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad instinct at all, considering how just they they cruised. That's what I would say. They were one of the few teams in the first round that just cruised. They looked chill. They looked ready to go. Um, and yeah, I, we're on track to potentially get another Gonzaga UCLA showdown. And I'm uh, you would love to see it. No offense to TCU, but you would love to see it. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what America might want, especially West Coast basketball fans. So uh, there you go. Um, this has been day two of the NCAA tournament, the March Madness, uh, you know, moves on. It's been a great tournament so far. It's one of those tournaments that it, it's almost as it's washing over me. I can't believe kind of the upsets that we've seen. You know, it, it, I mean, even today, a 116 actually happening. I know we talked about this on the emergency podcast and we said we'd leave it alone, but it still is insane to me that Purdue did lose to FDU that actually happened. Um, that's a real thing that exists. Now we have, you know, a situation where a nine seed is playing a 16 seed to go to the sweet 16. Now, if that's not madness, I don't know what it is. You know, if you're someone that just likes chaos and you like bedlam and that's what you live for, welcome to 2023 March Madness because, boy, it's delivering. I love to see, you know, I love to see the world burn as long as it's not at my expense. You know, I, I know that, like, I'm sure that the, the arena and the, the local businesses are probably uh, pissed that, the uh, you know, the huge Purdue fan base and the Memphis fan base are, are going home and not going to be spending money on beer and celebrating and all that stuff. But uh, we're going to we're going to we're not going to get the same matchup that we thought. But, you know. You got to win, win in advance, uh, survive in advance. And uh, those teams didn't do that. And FDU and FAU are deserving. And I know Memphis fans are going to be in a pretty epically bad mood, I would expect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to hear talk radio in that town. But uh, yeah, you got to go get it done. Go check out Chris Vernon on the mismatch. I'm sure that's going to be a fun little uh, five minute, you know, spiel from him. That'll be fun to listen to. Pour one out for Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers tonight. I know I will. Um, you know, a lot of people probably won't because they didn't want to see that happen. But look, I, I'm a Memphis, I'm a Memphis apologist. I like Penny Hardaway. I like what's happening in this tournament. We got a lot of good storylines. We got a lot of good characters. We got a lot of new faces that are fun for college basketball. I'm excited about it. We're going to be back tomorrow night. Same deal. Second round starts. It's going to be the same sort of ratata. We're going to watch games. We're going to talk about games. This is what happens on One Shining Podcast. Producer Kyle, anything else? You had a big day, right? You saw and 
today, so you you didn't even he get picked the, them over us. Yeah, so I did, couldn't yeah, believe he, that. He picked he picked St. Patrick's Day drinking over us. I did and, it all today, guys. Yeah. Well, you know what? Deal with it. And uh, I got uh, <laughs> I got some updated guys in case everybody's wondering. I don't want this to go to waste by by next uh, round, but uh, in order, I think. All the Creighton boys love you guys, especially Kalkbrenner. Okay. See you at the family reunion if you guys don't make it. Trace Jackson Davis, a couple blocks in a row. I'm on the bandwagon. That's awesome. Uh, Serge Barry Rice, good, good. Call we love Serge Barry Rice. Yeah. Right. Jordan Walsh sticking with him. Um, love the look. Good Tiger. transitive pickup there with Jordan Walsh. Good name. I like it. Tiger Campbell, um, UCLA, also great name, but uh, I picked UCLA to win this, uh, win the whole thing. So that'll be good. Uh, sincere Carey, just wanted to say, I think that's maybe one of the most handsome dudes I've seen uh, on yeah. television. He's the Jimmy G of the NCAA. Very full and, beard. Uh, sincere yeah. Carey is going to be on a Shonda Rhimes show. <laughs> I pointed that guy that out to you guys. He's going to be on Grey's Anatomy soon. Yeah, yeah. And whatever he does, that guy's going to be great because he, he is a spectacle. And then the last thing, just want to throw it out there. Uh, we were watching the quad box, and I just saw this absolute tank of a man on the AEW in the top left corner. <laughs> right. Uh, he pinned a dude that looked like Rey Mysterio. Definitely wasn't him. His name is uh, The Monster our powerhouse Hobbs. And uh, I just want to say, I thought that guy was pretty good too. So that's where I am. What a great nickname uh, for that guy. We did not watch that. But as you can tell, when the quad box goes, everybody's picking their box. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I Kyle, Kyle I drifted. Said, I drifted. Yeah, you said, I uh, I don't want to watch the basketball. I'm going to go to the AEW guys. Shout out to them. Shout out to Kyle Creighton. Uh, obviously, yeah, Kyle man. Creighton is, is, is actually what we're dealing with. But Kyle Creighton is such a great character. I knew that he would be a Blue Jay uh, at the end of the day. That's all shouts to Baylor Shireman for making that possible. Great stuff, Kyle. I <laughs> love that. Apologies for the cockburner joke. That was, that yeah. was in poor taste. But, I mean, really, it's like when you meet a guy at first and you're like, that guy was kind of a jerk and you're best friends. I was the jerk. We're best right. friends now. You're so Stifler. You're his Stifler. Sure. And, and <laughs> yeah. look, it's bulletin board material. That's what we wanted. We wanted to get him fired up and he delivered. Yeah, it's a friendship that's going in, in, a, in a better direction. But Kyle is backpedaling. You know, he'll be backpedaling. But that's okay. That's all right. You yeah, know, you, totally. you made a joke that, and we, we all do it it's fine right and we're gonna keep pedaling forward on this show it's been a lot of fun this has been one shining podcast day two rapid reactions i am tate frazier he is kyle man he is producer kyle aka kyle creighton we will see you back here in the same spot tomorrow night for round two of the ncaa tournament we'll see you then <laughs>